Hello, Penguins fans. So got a big episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast coming for you all today. Josh Yoey of The Athletic is going to come on the show and talk everything regarding this team of getting Malkin, potentially signing Vincent Trocek, maybe trading for JT Miller, the Ricard Raquel deal, who else they could go after in free agency, are they nearing a trade? All of this plus so much more is coming up for today's episode, so let's get right on into it. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Joining me now is Josh Yoey of The Athletic and what has just been a ridiculous last week, I should say, for the Penguins franchise. This is, just, I think, a very pivotal point in this franchise's history. Um, <clears throat> Josh, first off, um, you know how, how hectic has it been for you uh, yesterday and then today going into tomorrow? A little bit going on right now. Um, <laughs> I was about to go have lunch in Montreal the other day when the Latang news broke. Oh boy, they got that out of the way. And then of course the draft was pretty wild, uh, throwing a Casey to Smith contract in there. And now all of the Evgeny Malkin drama with some Ricard Raquel and uh, some other things to discuss. I can't possibly imagine what we're going to talk about for the next half hour, Hunter. Oh yeah, I know Josh, you know, we can, we can just start that uh, right now, I guess. So, you know, when I saw the breaking news from Darren Dreger, he said the sources sound like, Oh, this is probably the deal. Right. Cause it was getting promising. Nope. The exact opposite happens. If you mm-hmm. Malkin wants to test free agency and then Josh, all these conflicting reports come mm-hmm. out. Saravalli saying that they offered four years post Gazette saying it's four times 6.1. I think you and Rob are saying that that never came in or Malkin's camp, I think said that they never came in. And then Brian Burke says, Oh, we did offer four years. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, like a, just we're playing round and round here by rat, basically, you know, who, who, you know, who is really telling the truth with this. Um, but um, first off, Josh, is there a way that these two sides can talk again, you know, maybe let the day play out here, reconvene tonight when, I guess people are more calm and then tomorrow they circle back and get something done. Or do you think that ship is starting to really sail? I think it's still possible. From what I've been told, I don't have direct communication with Gino, but I I know a lot of people who are really close to him. He's pissed. I mean, he, he feels like he's been completely disrespected and you know, he's an emotional guy. If you've seen him play hockey, you you know, he's kind of the same way off the ice a little bit, right? When he gets upset, he gets upset. And, his feelings are hurt right now, and I'm not saying that to make him look like a baby or anything. I I, I get it. I mean, I do. I mean, there, there's no question. Crystal Tang has been the priority this offseason for the Penguins, and maybe Brian Rust and Malkin, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday, was put on the back burner. He knows it, and and then he sees Ricard Raquel and Brian Rust and Crystal Tang getting six-year contracts, and the Penguins made it very clear to him. The, their preference was to give him three years. Um, in regards to what you said about the three and four year reports, um, here's what we have. We have, and I, I speak from some inside information here. We have the Penguins leaking out information to certain people, wanting them to push a certain 
narrative and we have Malkin's people kind of doing the same, right? That that's the way these things go. Yeah. The Penguins want everybody to think we offered the guy eight years and ninety million dollars, and he's saying no. And and yeah. Malkin's people want you to think, well, they offered one year for a million dollars. What do you want us to do? The truth's always in the middle. Um, I, I know this. They want to sign him for three years. That was always the desire. Uh, a four-year deal was discussed yesterday. Did they actually offer him a four-year deal? I'm not sure about that. They discussed the parameters and what it would look like, and he obviously wasn't at all happy with that deal. So what we have now is, is you and I are recording this. It's, what, 3.30 Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. So we have, what, you know, 21 hours or whatever until – the free agency deadline, um, there's still time. And just because we get to noon tomorrow doesn't mean he's gone. We don't know what kind of offers he'll get. We don't know if he'll have a change of heart. We don't know if the Penguins will sign somebody at 1201 or not. Uh, so a lot of things can still happen here. I, I just wrote an article, incidentally. Um, if you're looking for some hope, for, for some Gino hope, I, I was told this morning by a couple of people that I very much trust that Sidney Crosby has kind of gotten involved in this situation and that's something he never does he you know you're, you're too young to remember hunter but back in the old days uh number 66 and number 68 if they wanted something done like they would get a coach fired if they wanted they would have one of their friends signed if they wanted yager would have one of his countrymen from the check signed if he wanted I mean, trust me uh, they had full control and they used it uh sid's not like that Sid might have the occasional conversation with Mike Sullivan about who he wants on his line, but that's about it as, as far as it goes with him. He, he doesn't flex his muscles in the front office very often ever. Um, but from what I've been told, he let Ron Hexall know, hey, I want Gino taken care of. And he also was talking with Gino and basically said, hey, you got to settle down. Let's, let's think this through rationally. We want you back. We need you back in Pittsburgh. Um, you know how much we love you. Like, let's see if we can still make this work. Um, so we'll see. I, I know Malkin has told teammates and people close to him that he's gone. Um, and maybe he is. Uh, that would seem, if I had to pick one way or the other, I'd say that's the most likely outcome at this point. Um, but he is emotional. We all know emotional people, right? Sometimes they go nuts on you for a few hours and they settle down and you get a slightly different reaction. I think that's what Crosby and the Penguins are hoping for. Um, they, they want him maybe to settle down and maybe Ron Hextall to up the offer a little bit and see if they can get it done. So I know Crosby hasn't given up hope, neither of the Penguins, but it, you know, it's still not looking great. And I don't think either side comes out of this looking totally unscathed, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, th that last point, especially, you know, when I was talking on my episode on Monday, you know, I kind of just reamed both sides because it's just like, you know, it shouldn't have never even came to this, you know, it's. No. 48 hours at that point when he told them that he's going to UFA and today there's really been no movement, you know, th this should have been done what three, four weeks ago, maybe even longer than that. And the fact that now Sidney Crosby has to finally get involved when you, you said it, he doesn't usually do that with, with regards to whoever the general manager is. Uh, I think that's just speak to how dire I think the situation is. And, you know, I know he said numerous times, I think to whether it's you, Rob or other reporters, you know, it, it's him and Gino, in this city and um no i i struggle to think about how he will react if he does sign somewhere else i, I feel like it's just gonna rub him mm. like the I, completely the wrong way and he's just gonna be really gutted about it because you know mm. he i think he sees him as his brother in a way and you know again it's just it's definitely something that you know 
it should not have come to this. And, you know, I, I do think Gino has a right to be pissed off. I mean, you know, this also goes back to the regular season, I think, Josh. You're extending Jeff Carter for a couple years, mm-hmm. but you're not going to do Evgeny Malkin. And Carter is yeah. older than Malkin, which is the weird thing. Brian oh, Rust, okay, he's still one of your core players. Then you have Casey DeSmith, like, okay, that could have waited because mm-hmm. the goal, I know the goaltending market is not what, it, well, not what it usually is, but I feel like that could have waited. Latang is... I think he should have been the priority, and that's no disrespect to Gino. So I, I understand where he's coming from with that. But you know, in terms of the the offer, um, you you've been reporting, and I think Elliot Friedman said that this this morning in his blog too. It was in the three times six range. Gino, I think he said that Gino was looking for three times seven. I, I if if it really was this was over a million dollars or over a one year of term, you know. I don't know. I think that kind of puts the organization in a little bit bad of a light there because mm-hmm. you're telling me you couldn't come to an agreement based on those two things. I, I feel like each side was like standing too firm. Yeah. Um, and I, I just hard, find it hard to believe that there was no middle ground. Well, what's interesting is they gave Latang, Raquel, and Rust all six years. Yeah. You know they didn't want to give them all six years. There's no way. So they clearly budged. With all three of those guys. And I realize, especially in the case of Latang and Ross, they took less money per year than they could have received on the open market because of the term that they received. But still, uh, the Penguins, um, they, they got out of their comfort zone a little bit and gave those guys more years than they wanted to. So the question then becomes, why wouldn't you do it for the future Hall of Famer, right? And I understand why they didn't give him a new deal Back in you referenced the Carter contract was that was the the road trip Malkin came back from yep. the knee injury. I understand them wanting to see how he looked for a while before they just threw money at him. I get that. Um, and as for the Carter deal, like it looks terrible now. Um, at the time, it didn't necessarily because Carter, at the end of his first season with the Penguins in the first three months of last season, he was awesome. He was like, playing he, well. I will say he that he played at a forty goal pace. So I was like, eh, yeah, three and a half million, whatever, sure. Um, from that point on, he he struggled. Um, so yeah, that, that makes that deal look that much worse, but, but yes, they've had, uh, the Penguins were eliminated on May 15th. This is July 12th. It's been two months, <clears throat> which, which all goes back to, you know, the point I actually tweeted about last night and I, I'm not inside of Ron Hextall or Brian Burke's minds. I, I, frankly, I don't know either one of them that well. They're, they're not Jim Rutherford. They don't, especially Hextall. He's not going to tell you what he thinks, but it seems to me. If they really wanted Malkin back that badly, wouldn't they have uh, compromised a little bit the way they did for Rust and Latang? Yep. Like, it just seems off to me. And it, and, it, and it makes me think, like, how badly do they want him back? What is their plan B? Um, and, you know, Burke's given interviews today, the day before free agency, which you don't typically see from team officials. It, yeah. it almost feels like a little bit of damage control. And, you know, Hextall at the draft last week, we asked him about the contracts. He said, oh, Latang, that should be done soon. We think it can be done with more Montreal, and it was. And we asked him about Malkin. And, his, I mean, I'm, I'm not a body language expert. He got uncomfortable. Like, you got the sense that, yeah, we're not very close to Gino. This might not happen. And, and I can tell you, Hunter, I've talked with a couple of agents around the league. This was two or three weeks ago. And I, one agent I, I literally called me. And said, you know, I talk with Hextall a lot, and he led me to believe this deal's not going to get done with Gino. Like, this agent said, I was really surprised. I said, really? 
And uh, there, then another agent told me, yeah, I don't think Chino and Pittsburgh is necessarily going to get done. I, I wrote about it at the time. Like, you know, I'm kind of hearing from people that this, you know, most people assume this would get done at some point. <clears throat> now we're to the point where Malkin's feelings are hurt. He yeah. could become a free agent in 21 hours. And what does Malkin do now? If he hasn't signed at noon tomorrow, and if you're in Malkin's shoes, and the Colorado Avalanche call you and say, listen, we can't give you a long-term deal. We'll give you $7 bucks for this year, though, if you want to come you know, play behind McKinnon. That'd be a hard thing to turn down, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't blame him. I, I get it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I, he doesn't want to leave. I, I, I promise you he's never wanted to leave. He has always wanted to stay. And I don't. it's easy to say, well, you know, Gino said I'm a really rich guy, and now he's not signing the deal. I don't think it's about the money. I think his feelings are hurt. I think his pride is wounded. I think he feels like Hextel and Burke haven't really shown him a whole lot of respect. And and again, I don't know if that's true or not. We're not in the negotiations. I, I'm just telling people how Malkin feels, and I think it's pretty obvious that he, you know, he's hurt. He really is. And this is now a very real possibility that he plays elsewhere next season. And my God, what a what a sight that would be for Penguins fans, no matter where he would end up. Um, especially, I'm God, 42. God, God forbid it's a New York <laughs> or where you live. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean Washington would seem a possibility. I don't know, but I, you know, I was thinking about this. Like, I'm 42. I'm an old guy, but uh, for the younger Penguins fans, like I would say, fans between like 20 and 35, whatever, in that range. Like that generation has grown up with Sid and Gino. So th- this is going to be like a really traumatic thing for people if Malkin leaves. The only Penguins hockey they've ever known has always centered around those two guys. Um, so it's. And, it, and it's funny, you know, yesterday's news, I, I saw this. It was the 20, I believe it was the 21st anniversary of what happened with Yager, if I'm afraid, yep. right? So of course, yeah, just a, that is just a terrible uh, day for Pittsburgh just a terrible day for Pittsburgh overall. Yeah, and, and that was different too because yeah, it was. in 2001, for those who don't know, the Penguins didn't have any money. Yeah. Mario Lemieux had enough money to buy the team and they were running along okay. <laughs> but back then there wasn't a salary cap. There was not PPG Paints Arena. Um, they just didn't. And Yager was making like 10 or 11 million a year at that time, which was an enormous amount. And they literally just couldn't afford them. That's all the dying alive stuff. And now they would have made it work out. He never really wanted to leave. But they couldn't afford them. Uh, this is a much different situation. The ownership group just spent $900 million uh, to buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. They still have you know $10 million of cap space. They can yeah. make this happen. Yeah, no, they, they, they have. You know, the funny thing is, Josh, they, they have the room to sign him right now, even with that Raquel trade. And if that comes in at six or seven, probably seven at this point, you still have $3 million left over to maybe sign someone else or you can move salary out, which is, I think, right. what you reported. And we'll get to all that. Mm-hmm. A little later on in the show, and you know, I'll we'll also talk about the, the potential agent angle with this, and then the Ricard Raquel contract, and mm-hmm. all, all that other stuff. But before we do get to that, from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at Build have given coconut brownie chunk puffs the the the, the great treatment. That's right, a coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love and deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and they are all delicious. You can go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, 
and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at builds.com. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, LO underscore Penguins. Of course, my guest here is Josh Yoey of The Athletic. And, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, Josh. You know, has J.P. Barry Malkin's agent been, you know, a pretty big factor in him maybe wanting to go to market more than Gino himself? Maybe he's just, I don't know, in his ear a lot more saying, hey, you know, you can get this on the open market or – all this other stuff because you know you you know everyone knows that he wants to come back to Pittsburgh. You know that's been his main focus ever since the season ended. But you know, <clears throat> has there just been has his agent just been a bit too tough in it, or is it? I mean, it's just this typical you know an agent wanting to get his client the most amount of money. Yeah, you know it's tough to say, but I, I don't sense that JP wants Malkin to leave. Mm. Um, I I have always felt like all of Malkin's representatives have ultimately wanted him to stay in Pittsburgh. And remember, uh, J.P. Barry works for the same organization that Pat Brisson works for, who's Sidney Crosby's agent. They're all pretty close. Um, they all have a great relationship with one another. Um, you know, I've talked with Pat. I've talked with Sid in the last week. Like, everybody wants Gino to stay in Pittsburgh, and I, I don't think it's different with J.P. I mean, could Malkin make more money on the open market than he would make in Pittsburgh? Yeah, probably. It, it only takes one team, you know. I, I always tell people, you think, oh, that guy wouldn't make that much on the market. It doesn't matter if 29 teams wouldn't give it. If a couple teams would, yeah, that's all it takes. Um, so I, I don't know that JP's driving that hard of a bargain. Um, I just – get the sense. And again, I'm not trying to villainize Ron Hextall. I think you know, he's, man, he's taken a lot of heat lately. And I, I don't think he's in an enviable position though. I think there are some people who think he should just give Gino whatever he wants and Latang whatever he wants. Like it doesn't work that way. Like you, you still have to have some boundaries, which I understand. Um, but I, I do sense that it's the Penguins who really aren't budging a whole lot from, from their demands and their requests as opposed to Malkin's people. Um, but it's interesting. You have, Crosby and Malkin, really good friends. They, they are represented by the same agency. So there's a lot of familiarity there. Um, and it's just, you know, I keep going back to Sid's involvement in all of this. It's just so interesting to me because he never flexes his muscles when it comes to stuff like this. He really doesn't. He just kind of stays in the background and whatever happens, happens. That's just kind of his polite way. Um, but I, I actually talked to him on uh, Thursday night, uh, the night that, Crystal Tang signed his contract in the first round of the draft. And I spoke with him after the draft late that night. And, you know, he gave me a quote about Crystal Tang and how happy he was for him and everything. And Crosby even said, I, you know, I want to, I hope we play six more years together, which kind of the first time Sid's ever said you know, how much longer he wants to play. And then he threw in at the end though, uh, hopefully Gino's next. Like he, he, he made sure to include that. That was just important to him. <laughs> That everybody yeah. knows, you know, hey, I want this to, to work. And um, it, it's a fascinating week in Penguins history. And anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen is lying. Nobody really knows at this point. It doesn't look great from my vantage point for Malkin coming back. Um, but Gino's Gino. Uh, he could change his mind tonight. He does that a lot. He's a pretty impulsive character. And... You know, and it's not all on him. The Penguins can always call him and say, all right, here's four years, you know, six and a half or whatever it is that you want. 
anything's still in play, I think. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all um, <clears throat> if they were to call him whether tonight or tomorrow morning, like, hey, you know, changed our minds, we budged a little bit, you know, does this maybe work for you? And then they can see if that um, works. Um, but, you know, you, you wrote something interesting, I think, in your story yesterday, Josh, um, <clears throat> and I'll ask this again here, is Hexton and Burke, are they feeling the pressure from the ownership group to get this done? Because I feel like, you know, <clears throat> you said, I think the ownership wants all three to retire with this organization. You know, are they going to be really upset, especially because, you know, they didn't hire these people, you know, with Fenway, you know, I, I looked, went back and looked at Liverpool and, and a couple other things. And, you know, they, they've gutted some of their, their staff when they've came in and they want the, the best of the best, I think is what I've read. Right. Um, you, you know, do you think they will be really unhappy if the management is not able to get this done? It's a great question. Um, I, I will say this about Burke and Hextall. <clears throat> they don't have, the sentimental romantic attachment to Malkin that Jim Rutherford had or that Ray Shiro had because they've only been around here a year and a half. They've never even seen the Penguins win a playoff series. Um, so it, it probably is different for them. I, I don't know that. I think they feel pressure to win. And I also think they feel pressure to be marketable and to, to fill seats. I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, uh, you know, specifically geared toward Malkin or not. Um, I don't sense that it is. I, I still remember a conversation I had with Ray Shiro 10 years ago now. Um, 10 years ago? 11 years ago, I guess. During something we like to call Yager Watch. Um, <laughs> and Ray Shiro said to me, he said, I wasn't here in 1992 when he was winning cups. I don't give a shit about that. He said, I don't have any attachment. The guy wants to play for the offer we made great. If he doesn't, okay, I don't care. Like, that, that was... That was the mentality. Now, I don't know that Hexall and Burke are to that extreme. I mean, they have been around Malkin for a year and a half, and I'm sure they have an appreciation for all that he has done. I don't doubt that they do for a second. This is an all-time great player. Uh, this is a guy, too, who I don't think we can ignore, uh, has sacrificed his health. I mean, he was playing against the Islanders on a, on a partially torn ACL in the playoffs last year, and he knew it. It's insane. And he, and he did it anyway, and he was one of the best players on the ice. Um so, I mean, you, and you can't say this guy doesn't show up in the playoffs. I mean, does Gino take a game off every now and then in the regular season? You betcha. Um, does he get hurt a lot? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want him on your side in a playoff series? Yeah. I mean, he's still one of the great big game players in the game. You cannot deny his his will to win um, and how much his teammates love him for what that's worth. He's, he's an enormously popular man in that locker room, I assure you. So, yeah, this whole thing is just kind of a shame. It is. Like, it, it is. I don't know why it came to this. Yeah. Um. Maybe both sides were being a little obtuse. It's and the Penguins are going to catch most of the heat for it, and that might be fair. Um. You know what? My question in all of this is, Hunter. I mean, listen and, and listen. I will preface it by saying I've seen a little bit of uh, a little little hint of Ottoman Malkin's game, maybe more than Crosby or Latang. You can see he's not as explosive as he once was. He's starting to slow down a little bit. That's fine. But my question is, okay, you let Malkin go. Who are you going to get that's better? That That's my question because everything they've done in the last six months is to win now, to have this two- or three-year window. Carter, Russ, Raquel, Latang, all these guys you're bringing back. You're going for it now. You're going to trade more prospects, whatever. 
Well, okay. <laughs> who are you going to get that's better than Evgeny Malkin? And, and if they do, if they pull off some trade for JT Miller, who might be better than Evgeny Malkin now, okay, great. But I don't see any evidence of that happening. And if you just let him walk, it, it just, to me, it betrays everything that you've done in the last six months. It just doesn't add up. <clears throat> no, no, I, I agree with you. You know, I've I, people have you know come into my mentions on social media and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's time to let him go. He's a, he's not good at five on five anymore. Not it's a turnover machine." I'm like, "Okay, show me the data on that, mm-hmm. and then show me who is going to come in and be a point per game player like he was last year when he right. played half a season." And, so and by the way. By the way, Hunter, he, he was playing much of that year with Kasperi Kapanen, who didn't even know what planet he was on, I don't think. Yeah. And, you know, an injured Jason Zucker and Raquel for a little while. But, he, you know, and I, I'm, he still needs to produce and he should still produce. And he wasn't great five on five, but um, he had a lot working against him last year. He was coming off of a major injury, did not have much in the way of line mates, still put up better than a point per game. We, we can't ignore that. The, the guy just. The guy is just a point machine. He always has been. Yeah. And your power play is going to suffer if he's not there next year. I don't know who the heck is going to be in his right. spot. And, you know, I'm sorry. You know, Vincent Trocek, I like him as a player. He's not He's not Evgeny Malkin. He's never right. going to be Evgeny Malkin. I don't like what the numbers are looking like for him. I think some. I think you said it's going to be maybe a six-year term. Yeah. Ugh. That's, a, that's a hard pass for me right there. Six right. times six for him is just – yeah, I mean, listen, Vince is a good player. He's yeah, a good no, number yeah. two. He's a good number two center. It's what he is. Um, the luxury the Penguins have always had is that they basically have had two number one centers all these years, and they theoretically still could for a couple more years, and that would seem advantageous for them. And there are some other centers like Nazem Kadri is a really good player. Somebody's going to overpay for him. Like you can, and he's like. I think 31, 32. He's not I, a kid. I don't think the Penguins are going to go after him, right, Josh? I, I haven't heard them link to him at all. Um, I think Berkey did draft him, if I'm not mistaken. So there's a little bit of a connection there. Yep. I, I have not heard his name at all. I, I think somebody's just going to pay out the ass for him. Like He's going to get eight years, eight million somewhere. Hey, God bless him. He had a, he had a great season in Colorado. Um, he, he's going to earn that money. But I, I don't think the Penguins can afford him. Uh, you're going to hear some other names out there, Andrew Kopp or Strom or yeah. I was going to ask you, know. you about Kopp. I, I, you know, when you look at the data for him and the the counting stats, I I kind of tend to side with him over someone like Vinny Trocheck. Have you heard the Penguins in on Kopp or nothing with him? Really? Um, I haven't heard one way or the other on him, and he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Like to me, he's one of those guys. Like he's a spectacular number three center. I don't know <laughs> yes. if he's going to score enough to be a number two. Um, whereas Trocek, like he'll put up 20, 25 goals. I mean, he, he he's just going to put up solid number two center numbers. That they're, they're you know he, he's he's only had one season where he really went off. I think in uh, seventeen or eighteen. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I and I go back to J T. Miller. I mean, listen, he's the one center who's available. Who he had ninety nine points last season. Uh, this mm-hmm. guy has turned into a spectacular hockey player. Um, all indications are Vancouver isn't even really going to try to resign him. They know they can't. He has one year left on his deal. He makes 4.5 mil. Um, then he's going to be a much wealthier man after this next season, I'm sure. Um, JT and Vince, you know, they both skate in Cranberry every Wednesday night in the Goat League. They live two miles from the practice facility, both of them. Um, I have no doubt they'd both like to play in Pittsburgh. I, I believe that pretty strongly from things I've been told. Uh, the problem for the Penguins, though, how do you get Miller? 
And I know everyone says, oh, Jim Rutherford's there, so you can just trade Casper Capita and Marcus Patterson. Like, nah, it's not that simple. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe those would be pieces of the puzzle. But um, I, I, I was going to ask you about that. Like, how would Patrick Alvine feel about, like, I don't know, Zucker or Kapan or Marino on, right. like, Rutherford? Because it, it is different when he's the general manager and Jim Rutherford is not. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how much power Jim has over him or how much influence Jim uses. I, I don't know. And Jim's always been used to being the guy. So I'm sure he still has some clout. And he Jim does like Kapitan. We know that. He does like Marino. He does like Patterson. Um, but the fact of the matter is, and this is where the Penguins, you know, years of trading away prospects and draft picks is catching up to them. It's not just that they don't have the talent pool. It's that they don't have the talent pool to make trades with other teams who want young players. I'm sure they'd love to add JT Miller. And why wouldn't they? Boy, would that be a nice one-two punch for the next four or five years with Sid. But other teams have better prospects. Other teams have more draft picks that they're willing to deal. So I, I just don't see how that happens. Um, and it's funny. You look at the Penguins roster, Hunter. It's still a pretty good hockey team, really. Yeah. You still have maybe the best line in hockey. You've got, you know, decent <clears throat> bottom six. Not a great one, but it's okay. you got a pretty decent blue line. you, you got a good goaltender. Like they've got some pieces. And, I, like, I like Ricard Raquel. He's a good player. That's, maybe they overpaid a little, whatever. That happens sometimes. But, but Ricardo Raquel is the kind of guy, if you don't have a great playmaking center to play him with, what's the point? He doesn't really generate that much offense on his own. That, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm concerned about with him. And, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll obviously dive into that a little in the, in the next segment. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's the one I'm, I'm really concerned about because you don't play him with Sid. And, and Gino's not back. Right. You know, what, what are you doing there? Um, you know, do you – I guess I'll get to that in, in the final segment as well. But, you know, overall for tomorrow, say Gino, you know, does not come back, Josh, do you expect the Penguins to be pretty aggressive tomorrow with that 10 million? Because usually this team does not have that much space. I, I will say that as far as the first time, I think, first time that I can remember that they probably have that much space going into um, free agency. Um, and, you know, my biggest concern is, you know, that they're waiting for Malkin to make his decision and then, Cop signs, Trocek signs, all these other guys sign. And then you're sitting there like, oh, what's going to happen here? So, you know, what What do you think the Penguins' strategy is going into tomorrow for well, that 2C spot? A couple of things. First of all, uh, I know for a fact the Penguins for days now have been trying to make a trade. Uh, they're trying to shed some salary. And yeah. Marcus Pedersen's probably the most likely guy to go. From what I've heard, he's the – person they'd prefer to move out of the blue line you save you know then you slide P.O. Joseph in will make you know around a million next year so you save more than three million dollars if you can get rid of Pedersen um makes sense I get it and people can argue but if Dumoulin should be the guy to go or whatever John Marino from what I've heard is the player everybody wants around the league and he's the guy the Penguins don't really want to give up they like the idea of Latang and Marino on the right side for the next few years um if they can make a move to clear some space, that would make their job a lot easier and they could be a lot more aggressive tomorrow. Um, that said, I think they will be aggressive. I, I wouldn't be shocked if JT, JP Barry and the Penguins talk again tonight or tomorrow morning, but I'm telling you, if it gets to noon and if Malkin still hasn't signed, um, whether this is Ron Hextall's fault or not, and you can certainly suggest that it is, he's in a bind at that point. Okay, he can't sit around and let Trocheck and Cop and 
you know, whoever else, Strom, you know, all the Dan Cadre, all these names you're going to hear. He can't sit around and let them all sign elsewhere and then have Malkin go sign in Colorado and have Jeff Carter as the you know, number two center when the season starts. Yeah. That doesn't work for anyone. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. So I have to think there's a better than 50-50 chance that by this time tomorrow we will know who the Penguins' number two center is. I, I just can't imagine them sitting around for long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that 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 would make sense there. And, you know, coming up here in the final segment for the show, yes, Thrawn, I heard that too, buddy. It's okay. My little puppy over there is having a little um, bit of fun. I'm <laughs> um, coming up here in the final segment. We are going to get into the Ricard Raquel deal, um, a couple other things for tomorrow. So stick around for that coming up here in this final segment. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Josh Yoey is, of course, my guest here for this final segment. So, Josh, you know, I, so, so people were wondering last night, is Puckpedia an actual source? And I was like, no, no, that's – they have all the agents on there, and they, they, they have their own sources. And, you know, very, very weird. It came out of nowhere that the Penguins extend Ricard Raquel six years, five million per year. You reported, I believe, Josh, yesterday or the other day that – it sounded like it was unlikely he was going to come back or that he was going to be going to market. Um, how quickly did that deal come together? Because by the sound by the sound of it, when I was reading your article, it sounded like they didn't even have any discussions. So that deal must have came together in like, what, five minutes? It, it happened yesterday um, after the Malkin mm. circus or whatever you want to call it kind of blew up yesterday. Um, I can tell you that the Penguins and Raquel's representatives – they had talked uh, weeks ago, and basically Raquel's representative said, here's what we would want. This is the kind of deal we would want to come back to Pittsburgh. And they didn't hear from the Penguins for quite some time. And then all of a sudden the Penguins basically uh, called back and said, all right, let's do this. Then we, we like your guy. Uh, we're okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, He's a player the Penguins really liked from day one, and, and you could see why. Uh, we knew this was a guy who had some goal-scoring talent, who was a, a gifted player. What I didn't know, and we quickly saw watching him play, is what a complete player he is. Like, he'll go to the net and take a beating. He'll add kind of a physical element. He passes the puck even better than I realized. Like, he can do everything. He's a good hockey player. Um, I don't know that they really wanted to give him six years, but that that's how it goes on the market, Hunter. Like, I remember yeah, years. I mean, remember years ago when Rob Scuderi got that second contract with the Penguins and everyone went uh, nuts. I talked with Ray Shiro the day of the deal. I said four years, and Ray said, "I don't want to give him four years. It's free agency is the only way you're going to get people." And uh, the same thing with Jim Rutherford. I actually texted him when the deal with Tanov came down. I texted him six years with a question mark, and he called me. He said, "It's free agency. It's what you have to do." <laughs> Otherwise, you don't get players. Every, we all overpay in free agency. That's why the teams that are built in free agency don't win Stanley Cups. Uh, you can certainly help yourself with the player here and there, of course, but you have to be careful. Yeah, and, you know, the biggest thing, you know, I, I had pros and cons to it. I mean, six years, you know, it, it, it is a long time. I mean, you can definitely make the argument that no one is really going to care at that point. The team is going to be bad. You know, I don't even know if Sidney Crosby, to be honest, is going to be – even playing at that point i mean maybe i guess but you know the thing that got me josh is five million though for raquel i mean it's it's just it's a big commitment for me because 
20 game sample basically. And that's what you're going to give out. You know, I just, I, I just don't know if like that's the best way to do business. And, you know, I think we discussed it a, a little bit in the last segment, you know, the biggest thing for me, you almost have to play him with Crosby if you want to get the most out of him, because say Malkin does walk and you do bring in someone like, I don't know, a Trocheck, Andrew Kopp, is he going to really produce with that player? Right. That's that. Well, that's the big thing. And you know, and if he's scoring less than twenty goals, and you're making five million, that's, you know, I think that's going to rub some people the wrong way. That's the thing. And listen, I I really like Raquel. He's a good player, a legit mm-hmm. top six winger. He's not the kind of guy that creates a lot of offense on his own. Yeah, um, he's just your classic guy. You're, this is going back many years. It reminds me of like Peter Sakura or James Neal guys. So you put them with a talented playmaking center, they'll finish. And they will help you, but you need to play him with someone like that. And you, you mentioned Trochuk. Let's just hypothetically say they sign Trochuk. Uh, just looking ahead, because we all like talking about line combos. I think Raquel on the top line would make a hell of a lot more sense. Trochuk and Rust are basically the same player. Like they're both kind of undersized and fast, tenacious guys. Like they'd probably be good together. I don't know if Trochuk would really bring out the best in Raquel. So if they had a lineup like that, they they would have to take those things into consideration. So listen, they gave Raquel a lot of money for a lot of years. He's a good player, though. So I don't think him coming back is a bad thing, but you sure as hell better have someone to play with him. And that's why I said, like, I I like this roster in general. If you get a good number two center, I still think they're a playoff team. I really do. I mean, they they have an intriguing mix of players, no question, but – there's just that gaping hole on the second line right now that can't be ignored. Yeah, and honestly, you know, someone from England sort of said this last night before the Raquel deal with before, when the Malkin thing happens. Like, wow, it's almost like it's hard to re- replace almost an entire second line during the offseason. They just got Raquel, so that's one. <clears throat> You're going to get your second line center. Who is going to be that other winger? I don't think it's going to be Kasperi Kampen. And, and I, and I was going to ask you about that too, Josh. <clears throat> People were wondering, you know, he got qualified 800k. That's a no-brainer. You retain yeah. his rights. You know, yeah. I don't think you need to let him go for nothing. Sure. Is is there a chance that he is traded? Because you know, I think that would make sense to get him a fresh start. But in the back of my mind, I'm kind of thinking, man, does the organization like him more than I think they do? <laughs> Some people in the organization do. Um, it's weird. Like Mike Sullivan has a particular soft spot for for Kapanen. Very weird. And I know Kapanen drives him crazy too. Because you know how it is with Kapanen. and he'll look. Some nights he looks so good, um, and, I, and I can tell you, I, I took a lot of hell for saying this, but I mean, I'm not the only one who said it. He was their best player in training camp last season. He was unbelievable. I thought he was going to have a 30 goal season. I really did. Um, then he was just a complete disaster. I, I think he's a little immature, and I, I think he's just kind of lost as a hockey player at times. I'm all for giving him the qualifying offer. He's going to make what eight or nine hundred thousand this year if he signs. Okay, he, he's it's worth taking a flyer on him because he has talent. And now that you've got Russ and Raquel locked up as your you know right wingers on the top six, you can put Kapanen in more of a bottom six role where there's less pressure on him to score. Uh, you know, he and Jeff Carter actually looked good for a little stretch in March or April, whatever it was, together last season. Um, maybe they have something that can give you a decent third line. I don't know, um, but because you have Raquel and Rust also. I think that gives you the flexibility to trade Kapitan if you want. I mean, he, he doesn't need to be here. If, if you do, you know, do business with a team that for whatever reason is intrigued with him, I, I could see it happening. He, 
he's just he's a maddening player. They gave up so much to get him. You can see the talent that he has, but I, I just mm. don't know if he's ever going to put it all together. Yeah, and, and that's just like you know, how are you going to actually bring him back next year and just stick him on the third line again? We all saw how bad that was with Carter. We saw how bad it was with Malkin when he was still producing, even though Captain was bad. You know, that doesn't make too much sense. Even if they do bring him back, I think they should just be – he should be used as trade. But, you know, I, I do think, Josh, they should go out and get another winger for that second line as well on the team, if they have the space for, especially if they do make a trade to open up some more, um, you know, if you have a brand new second line, if Malkin does walk, um, you know, I think maybe you can sell that a bit more to the fans, but you know, right now, if you're running it back with, you know, someone like Kaplan up there, you know, Jason Zucker, who I know is, you know, he, he plays his tail off every night, but I know how banged up he gets. I don't know if that's really going to, you know, I guess be, I guess be like a good message to the fans um, is what I'm trying to say. And then, yeah. Well, and doesn't it all go back to whether or not you can trade some money off of the blue line to, to mm-hmm. really go get an impactful player. Like I don't dislike Zucker. You're right. He works his ass off every game. Um, he was snake bit last season, but I thought he, he didn't score a goal in the playoffs. I thought he was really good though. I mean, he played I, great. He did. Um, I don't have a problem with him being on the second line, but given his injury history, You'd, you'd like a little more depth there for sure. I, I don't think his contract is tradable. Um, and even if it were, you still have a hole in the top six if you trade him. That, that's the problem the Penguins find themselves in, I think, um, regarding that spot. But it all goes back to being able to trade one of those defensemen. If you can, you know, what do they have? They, I think they're about $10 million under the cap right now. Let's assume cap it in sign, so it's really $9 million. If you can trade Pedersen for a draft pick, Slide PO under the lineup. Then all of a sudden you have twelve million in cap space. Yeah. Okay. Then you can get whether it's Malkin or Trocheck or whoever. It's going to cost you around six million, right? So then you still have six million to play with. You could go get, you know, what a second or third line winger and an impactful one, perhaps, or get a couple of guys making two or three million who can maybe make your fourth line better. Um, so. If they can trade that defenseman, that gives them so many more options. And I know they've been trying. Everyone thinks it's so easy. It's, maybe teams don't want Marcus Pedersen at four million a year. I think I think we're running into that. Um, and they don't want to trade Dumoulin because they just give Latang six years, and he likes playing with Dumoulin, right? Oh. And they they don't want to trade Marino because if you trade Marino, that puts Ruido or Friedman in your top four, which you don't really want to do. Yeah, that's not so. Right. I, I get it. I, I, I think finding someone to take Pedersen is what, the, what it all comes down to. Yeah, that, I think that until that domino falls, it's just going to be tough for them to really get, you know, even more cap space. You know, do, do you see that trade happening before noon tomorrow? I mean, I think in a perfect world, Josh, they would want it to happen before yeah. then, right? Anything's possible. But so, yeah, I mean, listen, this is so by the time people watch this, who the hell knows what, what might have happened? Everything is so fluid right now. But I kind of feel like if they could make a trade to free salary space, they probably would have by now. Yeah. And Hex all even said at the draft, I think it was Friday morning. So that's what, about four days ago, four or five days ago. He said, yeah, we've, we've got offers out there. We're trying to do something. So that, that tells me there are no takers yet. That can always change. Uh, free agency day changes general managers' uh, decision-making and motives a lot. But – you kind of feel like they would have made that deal by now if they were going to. But but 
is certainly they're still true. And for all I know, there is a team that would take Pedersen and Hextall wants more in return than he's been offered. I would think just as a salary dump. And I don't, I'm no Marcus Pedersen hater. He's okay. You know, but the fact is he was a healthy scratch a lot in the second half last season. He certainly has fallen out of favor with the coaching staff. So it's the logical guy to move in. And I think we can agree whether you like him or not, he makes too much money. He, he definitely does make too much money. I will argue that I thought he was pretty good last year. I don't know if he really deserved to be scratched at times. And if, if it were my way, Josh, I would have them trade Dumoulin, but I understand why they don't want to because he's comfortable with Chris. And, you know, it's the thing, you know, his contract's up next year. I do feel like with the Stanley Cup pedigree and him being a defensive defenseman, you know, teams, you know, they will you know there's a general manager out there like, oh, that guy's got two Stanley Cup rings. We got to get him. Oh, I mean, Chris Drury gave Barkley Goudreau six years last year, which was <laughs> right. ridiculous. I mean, right. they, they um, made a bunch of meme moves and they came within two games of winning going to the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, well, it Dumoulin, just goes to show how, you know, those moves sometimes work out. And, you know, it's just because Dumoulin is, he's not what he used to be. And right. my thing is also like, do you want to lose him for nothing next year? And mm. I mean, I don't know if they're going to bring it back. I, I personally wouldn't because I think the decline has really started with him. Well, he's an interesting one. I, I have so much respect for him. I did. In the career, you know, he in 16 and 17, he was so good. He was. So important to what they did. He's a really good guy too. He hurt his ankle in St. Louis. That was, uh, oh God, it was Thanksgiving weekend. I think it was 2019. He's never been the same since then. I, I mean, that injury, uh, his skating has never looked the same to me since then. And he looked a step slow a lot last season. And that's something that I hadn't seen before. So it, it would not be the worst idea to deal him. It would be pretty forward thinking, I think, in some ways. It would be essentially the same amount of savings. I think it'd be easier to trade. I think you could get more in return for him. Absolutely. And I, like Marcus isn't a bad player. Marcus was good in the playoffs. It's funny. I, I didn't love this. I thought John Marino was very average last season. Great in the thought, playoffs. And I thought Marcus Pedersen was pretty average. They were good in the playoffs. They were really good. Oh, yeah. And I, and I give them credit for how they played, uh, the helmet gate notwithstanding. But um, Dumoulin in a lot of ways. And I know there's. I know people, especially who are in analytics, um, really would prefer Dumoulin go when you just look at the numbers starting to regress. And listen, you could see in the eye test, too. He was responsible yep. for a lot of goals against last season, and that's something I've never said about him before. Um, so, no, it's something to consider. And I I think they'd rather trade Dumoulin than Marino. I think they're really hesitant to trade John. They just love having those two right-handed guys in the top four with Latina. Dan Kruber wants him so bad. I mean, yeah. their, fan, their fan base just wants yeah. him to come home, I think. <laughs> oh, Jim likes him. Um, so we know that they need right-handed defensemen really badly there. So. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Um, that's why if you hear JT Miller rumors, you will hear Marino's name included. I have no doubt. If you could get JT Miller, maybe it'd be worth it. Um, I'm not, you know, Marino was so spectacular his rookie season. He has not been bad since then. He's just been kind of stuck in neutral. You know, the, the offense has really disappeared. That's been the disappointing thing with him. Uh, he needs to find a way to, to be a more productive offensive player, especially with the way the game has changed. Look at all the best teams in the league. They all have three or four defensemen who can score. I mean, that's just the way it is. You don't have yeah. to be Colorado, but but you need more production from your blue line than just Latang and Matheson. 
no, I, I do agree with that. And you know, there was there was a weird rumor I think a few days ago that they were. I think a couple outlets reported that they were discussing a trade with Jeff Petrie from Montreal, but I don't really know how. Um, that, I don't only, know. that only makes sense if you're trading Marino and you need to replace him for a year. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't see that happening. Um, it's just his salary is, is, is too much anyway. Right. Um, finally, Josh, you know, before I do let you go here, you know, g- give me your prediction for tomorrow. You know, how do you see it going for the Penguins as you stand right here? Do they make one move? Do they make two moves? You know, what what, what, what are you thinking? There, what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, God, if I knew the answer, Hunter, we'd be uh, we'd be <laughs> flying to Vegas right now and we'd be cashing out. Um, my sense is that Malkin is probably gone. And I I would not be shocked if if he, you know, comes to an agreement with the Penguins despite all of this and, and Sidney Crosby's magic works and they figure something out. It sure feels like he's leaning toward leaving. And if that's the case, um, I I don't think the Penguins are going to wait around very long. I, I they, they can't afford to. Uh, this might be a mess that they've created, but you can't just – you know, get the July 14th and, and not have your number two center and let everyone go. So yeah, I would expect a fairly significant signing tomorrow, whether it be Evgeny Malkin, Vince Trocek, uh, whoever else it may be. I, I don't think they're going to wait much longer. Yeah. I mean, this is these next 20 hours, 19 and a half right now. I mean, this is, I said at the start, Josh, this is probably one of the most pivotal points in the franchise's history. It is. Um, yeah. It's yeah. the Super Bowl of the offseason. We all get excited for this day, but <clears throat> excuse me. I feel like Penguins fans are more nervous than excited right now. I would say most of the fan base is very nervous. Um, you know, if, if Gino does go, I hope no one really says anything too terrible about him. I mean, this is a top four player in the franchise history. This is someone who's going to have his number retired. When it's all said and done, um, you know, I just it it, it usually makes me uncomfortable when, you know, a franchise player like that doesn't potentially does not retire with the team that drafted him. It's just it would be a shame. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. And there's so many you know numbers next season, a thousand games, Josh. You know, so so many other. I think four, five hundred, four hundred, five hundred goals. I think is coming up to. I think it's four hundred goals for him, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, No, he's. uh, I I just wrote this actually. He's not far. I think he's. 56 away from 500, I think. Yeah, I think 500. That's my, my fault. So probably two seasons. Yeah, yeah I mean, that you, no, they yeah. may miss out on that. It's just. And, and I, I will emphasize, Hunter, he, he doesn't want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's always wanted to be here. Um, but he still has an ego. You know, he's a Hall of Fame athlete, and he feels like the Penguins are kind of disregarding him right now. And. It, it, it would be a shame if his Penguins career ended like this. I, I will say that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, had had a little pause because of some uh, maintenance thing for my apartment, but we got <laughs> through that. Uh, this was a lot longer than recording then, but, you know, I'm glad we got to – you know, hey, we had talk stuff to talk about. That's all right. Oh, yeah. No, no, no worries at all. I don't, I don't mind. Um, this is going to be a big day coming up, and um, – it's it, <laughs> I think that's probably the best I can say for it. It's it's gonna be something, man. Sure is. Yeah, thanks for having me, Hunter. I appreciate it. Yeah, Josh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. You can go read his stuff at the athletic. Um, and Josh, plug your Twitter before you go. Oh god. I mean, I, I should know my Twitter name. That's embarrassing. But I'm looking at it on my phone right now because you know there it is. It's my name. 
at Josh Yoey underscore PGH. I thought that's what it was, but I didn't want to give people, you know, misinformation. Um, These people are getting old here. Uh, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just messing <laughs> up. Yeah, read all, read all the Josh's stuff tomorrow. I'm sure he's going to be all over it, whatever the Penguins do. And um, until next time, I will talk with you all um, on Wednesday.